Hello and welcome to Checking In. I am Oren Stewart, your studio host. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Once again, welcome to Checking In. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. Now let's introduce our host, Miranda and Leon. Welcome. Oren, thank you. Hi, good to see you both. Good to see you as well. Have a great show. Good to see you as thank well. You. Miranda, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be back and have more conversations. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to having another great conversation. And if you'd like to be a guest on Checking In, a Lodging DEI chat with me and Miranda, you can send me an email. The email address is leonthetrainer at gmail.com. And Miranda, how can folks get in touch with you? You can definitely email me, mkittrl at fiu.edu. You can find me on LinkedIn, and as always, you can Google me. All right. And what's that line you always use? If you Google Miranda Kitterland Lynch, they're the only one in the world or something like that. Go ahead and do that. I love that part. I love it. It's so funny to me. Anytime that people ask me for confirmation of my birthday, I stop and I say, I just gave you my last name. There's no one else in your system with the same last name. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Interesting conversation uh, I had with someone on Thursday. They asked about the show, and this is face-to-face. They said they've seen the show, and they said, uh, in essence, to me, why do you have an email that says Leon the Trainer? And they said, tell us more about Miranda. So why do I have an email address that says Leon the Trainer? Well, that's because... I used to be a hospitality trainer, and I went by the, the name Leon the Trainer. And I just formulated an email address after that. And so instead of creating a new email and having to get in touch with everybody to say, no, this is my new email address, I just used that one, Leon the Trainer at gmail.com. That's that's why I use it. So there's it. the story on that one. And Miranda, give like a little of your your background and talk to them about what you do now. And then we'll get into conversation with our guest. Sure, sure. So um, I'm just a regular average person from small town Louisiana. Um, I spent about a decade in the full service food and beverage industry. I have an absolute love for the hospitality industry. I am fortunate to have a position at Florida International University in the Chaplin School of Hospitality Management, where I have the great honor to teach graduate students. Um, And I've spent uh, the second part of my lifetime um, in academia doing research on food and beverage and hospitality, DEI, uh, employee deviance, all kinds of fun stuff. All right, great. So there you have it. So that's that's a little about about us. And I'm excited about our guest today. Our guest today is Chris Adams. Let's bring Chris into the studio and we'll talk. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Good morning, both of you guys. How's it going? Amazing. Thing as well. Now, Chris, 
you and I met way back when, when I was a trainer with Choice Hotels International, and you attended one of my general manager certification classes. And yes, I did. We got to know each other and had a had a groovy time together in that in that class. You remember that, don't you? You know, and what struck me about and what made it so memorable was your infectious enthusiasm and engagement and the way that you embrace training. You know, learning is fun. You made it fun. You made it enjoyable. You know, it was very lively. So I, I dare say that nobody came close to falling asleep in your class. That's right. That's right. You don't sleep in my classes. That's right. That's right. That's when you're talking about finance. Oh, here, here's that line. So, Miranda, we used to do this section on, on finance that everyone would get very anxious about, right? And it was a big, pretty large section of the class was about finance. And instead of waiting for to cover finance on that one day, we would start it on the first day and do it in, in bits and pieces. So maybe one day we do ADR occupancy percentage and rev par, right? That's like day one. We gradually do it. So I used to introduce it by saying, let's talk about finance and <laughs> folks folks loved it and and chris was a joy to have in class but miranda the thing that that i recognized in chris by being in class with him and then developing a relationship and a friendship with him after is that he was always full of ideas and different ways to think about things that we would go through as a hotel operator things we were going through as hotel managers and i always appreciated that about you chris I appreciate that. And likewise. So it's very, very, I'm very honored to be on the show today. Great. So Chris, give us a little about your, your background, what you've done, what you're doing now, all those types of things. So our viewers get a, get a taste of, of who you are, please. You know, like the, both of you, my background over the last uh, 30 years has, has been in hospitality, have held a, a number of, of different roles with, with quite a number of uh, different brands. And, you know, I started as a housekeeper back in 1986 and, and through some hard work and, and good fortune to work with some phenomenal mentors, you know, had an opportunity to really learn this business from, from the bottom up. And, you know, as I've gone through this journey, I have found it, you know, extremely important to give back and to, to be able to share, you know, some of the uh, you know, things that I have, have been given so, you know, unselfishly uh, by individuals over the last number of years. And in addition to uh, working uh, in a couple of hotels now, I've had the opportunity to work um, uh, with a PR firm, WC uh, Consulting, out of uh, Winston-Salem. And we do a lot of brand awareness, a lot of imaging uh, for attorneys and individuals who have written books, who are trying to really take their career um, to, you know, to, to the next level. Uh, we also operate a speakers bureau and we've given our individuals a, a platform to really you know, share their stories and, and get their message across. That is so cool. Um, I have so many questions for you and I'm so excited to have a conversation with you today. But I really have to ask you, um, how do you identify dem demographically first? Well, right now I am uh, actually uh, based out of Melbourne, Florida, originally uh, from Durham, North Carolina, and um, have been down in the Florida area for the last uh, four and a half years, uh, minus about a six year break or correct a six month break. Okay. And do you, do you identify as male? I do. Caucasian? Yes. Caucasian or white? Male Caucasian. Yes. Okay. See, I asked because you mentioned that you started in housekeeping and I've not met many white men in housekeeping. So how was that? How did you get started in that particular area? 
You know, it's an interesting story now. You know, back in 1986, uh, my, my daughter, Sierra, um, had, had just uh, been brought into the world, if you will, and, and I needed a job. And I, I can remember uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, going up and down uh, the street, just putting in applications. And I came about uh, this place, I'll never forget it, called the Skylight Inn. And they hired me on the spot as a male housekeeper. And I, I believe I was making $3.55 an hour. But I, I, you know, I needed a job. I, I didn't know necessarily what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed a job. And, you know, that uh, interesting start, I think, gave me a lot of, of interesting experience that, that I've carried throughout my career. And, you know, obviously housekeeping is near and dear to me. And certainly I, I can fully appreciate, you know, what, you know, the housekeeping department goes through. And I think that's really channeled my uh, uh, spirit of humbleness in, in this industry as I've, you know, been able to, to move into, you know, different positions. That's incredible. Um, wow. <laughs> and walking down the street, putting in applications, that's something that I believe many of our listeners will never experience in their lifetime. It's such a different world now. Um, it is. Yeah. So tell me, I tell my students all the time that it's so important to have that foundation. Um, it's not going to be as important to graduate and instantly become a general manager because you're not going to have that foundational um, level of experience, right? So tell me, what do you feel was the biggest takeaway from being in a housekeeping position other than the humbleness that is so important for, you know, good leadership. I think attention to detail. I think that, you know, if you go into a hotel room, everyone is looking to ensure that everything's in place, that it's in order, that uh, everything works. And so I think that, you know, that experience, you know, teaches us that, you know, there are no shortcuts, that, that we certainly have got to do things correct and in order. And I think, you know, in, in addition to that, I, I think it, it gave me, you know, a spirit of service, a spirit to, you know, to, you know, develop my skill set. And, and I think above of all else, hard work works. And, and I think that we have got to, no matter what our position is, have got to look to improve each and every day to improve our craft and how we approach our craft and, and how we, you know, are able to develop those around us to, um, you know, have a different perspective and, and insight into, into their craft. That's Chris, phenomenal. Thank you so much. Chris, one of the things that we've talked about some um, is the the idea of race relations and how many industries have an opportunity to improve that and and make some advancements in in DEI. We've talked about that some, and I know that when you were a, a property manager and when you were a regional manager, you did some things or, or had a different attitude toward diversity and inclusion. Can you talk about about that some and and maybe what were some of the the reasons that you wanted to be more inclusive as a manager? You know, I found that, you know, in, in this industry, as, as other industries, it, it's not uh, necessarily what you know, it's who you know, and sometimes it's it's what you look like. And I think that I, I found that to be very unsettling. I think that, you know, certainly, you know, in, in my career, I've seen individuals uh, who were bypassed um, and, and there was no apparent reason given, but I think it was understood. And, and, I, and I believe that that should give us pause, you know, when in the best candidate or the best individuals who have proven themselves time and time again are not given a fair opportunity to, to better themselves. Um, I have seen certainly in my career individuals who, you know, had an opportunity to, um, to get bitter about it and, and they found ways to get better through it. They grew through it. And there's 
three or four individuals that I know that have have gone through that that were able to overcome, and they were able to to position themselves where you know one in particular actually has the person who bypassed them for a promotion. That person now reports to them. So it's it's really interesting how things can can shift and how um, you know situations can can change. That, that's a really good, thank you for sharing that. Um, can I ask you, and this may be a tough question. So you mentioned that you have seen many instances of let's call it unfair treatment. So when you see that happening, what have you done? Well, there was one, uh, you know, uh, situation in particular where there was someone who clearly was the best candidate and, and clearly got bypassed. And, and I believe that it really it, it brought about a situation where it unnerved, uh, you know, the entire facility. And um, it, I was quite pleased and proud to see individuals step up and stand up and, and really make their opinions known. And, and through those efforts, and it was very professional, but it was very, you know, fact driven. Uh, and these individuals really stood up for for this particular individual that that, that I mentioned. Um, you know, the individuals, you know, finally saw the air of their ways and actually uh, created a position for the individual. Six months later, they in fact got the position that they had been up for in, in the first place. But I think that, you know, the thing that made me the proudest is that individuals did not just, you know, stand by or accept it or say, I'm going to quit. You know, they stood up, they stepped up, and, and they really engaged in the process in a very respectful, diplomatic, yet pinpointed way. That's excellent. And I think that's the whole reason we're even here on this podcast right now, because Liana and I do believe in standing up, stepping up and speaking out. So absolutely. Thank you. Because if we don't, who will? Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I'll ask you just one more question. What do you think could be one of the key solutions to moving the needle uh, in regards to diversity, equity and inclusion in the hospitality industry? We've got to continue down the pathway of of open, honest, and 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 sometimes uncomfortable conversation. I, I think that you know when I see a situation or see an individual um, whose position I may not agree with, uh, rather than dismiss that individual, rather than you know just move on a, about my business, I have found that it's 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 critically important for me to better understand uh, why they hold the views that they hold. Why do they feel the way they feel? And I think that, you know, one thing that, that I've respected about Leon is that, you know, you can ask the tough questions, but he also listens. He may not agree. We may not agree. But it's important that individuals feel like they have the ability to express their viewpoint in an open and a safe manner. And I found that when, when I do that, I may or may not actually fully agree with where they're coming from, but I will find some common ground. I will find some consensus somewhere. And if nothing else, I will have a better understanding as to where they're coming from. Because one thing I have to keep in mind that the three of us came from a, a different walk of life. We, we have been exposed uh, with, with different circumstances. We've been faced with different situations. And I think that that has it shaped our lens to a certain degree. And so rather than dismiss each other, I think it's best that, that we understand where that person's coming from. You know, what Leon has seen, what you have seen, what I have seen may not be the same, but I think we can continue to learn from each other. Absolutely. 
Well, Chris, let's let's talk uh, specifically property level for for a second. So much of the talk in in our industry has been about CEO positions and and things of that nature, or more more females or or more blacks in board positions. Um, in terms of general managers and property level positions, what can general managers do? What can ownerships do? to help make sure that their companies and their properties have a are, are treating people fairly and particularly those that are that are sometimes uh, under underserved what can they do better what specifically can a general manager do better or someone that's in a, an upper management position at a management company a very good question I, I think as general managers we have a duty and we have a responsibility to um to to do our part to lift individuals up i don't care you know their background their ethnicity their level of experience we have a responsibility to give what's been freely given to us in our careers and, and what i have found uh, w- when you can stand by somebody when you can speak up for someone when you can advocate for someone you know essentially what that's doing is creating an experience where individuals will get noticed. And when individuals feel engaged and they feel noticed, you know, they become a lot more productive. They come up with ways to, you know, improve how they do what they do. And I think that really what it comes down to is if all things are equal, you know, the individuals that are continuing to demonstrate a value add, continue to advocate, continue to be a part of the solution as opposed to the problem, you know, these are the individuals that are in a position to be able to elevate elevate their 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 platform if you will and when you have a platform similar to, to this show here we have an opportunity to to reach individuals that need to be reached individuals who may not understand that you know what you're not in this by yourself there are individuals who will freely provide opportunities but you know sometimes we just have to be willing and humble to ask for help we need to find a mentor find someone who's been down the path that we hope to go to and there are a number that I've seen in my career um, you know, who were in a position that I thought I wanted to be at. So, you know, why reinvent the wheel? I actually, you know, reached out to them and they freely shared, you know, some of their, you know, secrets to success and really, really wasn't a secret. It was hard work, focus and discipline. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big, uh, big supporter of finding a mentor and mentoring others. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, And I'm also glad that you mentioned how, people really do want to help you. People do want to share their their tips for success. People want to share their failures so you can learn from them. So again, if you're listening, if you do not have a mentor, reach out to someone, reach out to me, reach out to Leon, reach out to Chris. And if you don't have a mentee, what are you doing? Go help yes. somebody today. Yes. Um, I, I saw on LinkedIn that you posted some a really cool read um, talking about knowing why we do what we do, right? And I think you kind of touched upon that when you were mentioning how the three of us here on this uh, platform, if you will, have different lived experiences, and thus we view the world differently based on that. Um, was there anything, like what prompted you to share that? What did you think was cool about that read? You know, a lot of times individuals, you know, I, I get, I call myself a wannabe writer, and, and I think a lot of times, you know, individuals kind of sleepwalk through life. And I think that when we get to a purpose in terms of trying to understand why we do what we do, why we have chosen the career, why we have chosen the direction you know, of our lives, when we have that clarity in terms of why we're doing it, you know, I think it gives us a, a better you know, roadmap in terms of where we're actually trying to go. 
um, we're going to make mistakes. We are going to we are going to really be really terrible at something. We are going to fail miserably. I saw a, a clip from Denzel Washington uh, from a few years back, and he said, if you're going to fail, fail big. We have to take those chances, but we have to know the whys. We have to know and have an understanding in terms of what is driving us, you know, to go down a certain path. What is, you know, uh, motivating us to, to try to be a, a better version of ourselves. So you know, I think that particular article that, that you mentioned is it's really trying to better understand, you know, why we're why we're doing this. You know, what is our purpose and, and what are we uh, trying to do each and every day to, to become a better version of what we were from yesterday? And so I've comparing, you know, what we're doing to, to what somebody else does. You know, a lot of times people feel like, you know, they're a failure because somebody had a wonderful filter and, and, and posted something on Instagram that made it look like they were just had hit the big time. Uh, but we're not we're not I'm not competing against the two of you. I'm competing against myself. We should be actually rallying and supporting each other, you know, not competing against each other. You just shared so many powerful statements that absolutely, absolutely. Um, Wow. I, I'm trying to pick which one I want to touch upon. Um, but our last guest on the show said that we should normalize making mistakes. And I think that that's really important, especially with the threat of cancel culture, uh, because we don't know what we don't know. Right. And how are we going to learn unless we're making mistakes? So um, tell me. I love that. <laughs> if you will tell me, what would you consider to be your biggest learning lesson? Uh, due to any mistakes that you have made? I think one of the lessons that I have learned, we constantly have got to shift. If we do not proactively shift, we will get shifted. Um, you know, one thing I have found in my personal and professional walk is that, you know, we get a nudge sometimes that we need to move in a certain direction. And and it may not be, you know, a very distinct nudge, but, you know, it'll be a nudge. And, and we have an opportunity to, to move in the direction that we're called to move into. And if we don't, uh, we, we will get shifted. And, and I have found that some of the greatest lessons that I have learned have been through adversity because adversity uh, is going to create a blessing. And it's going to create a lesson. And through the adversity brings about pain, but pain always leaves a gift. And the gift is what we need to learn and what we need to grow through to get to the level that we need to get to. I've learned much more from, from when I have failed. I have learned much more when I have just really just messed up terribly. Because, you know, when somebody's, you know, bragging on you and somebody's, you know, lifting you up and, and applauding your efforts, you know, sometimes you, you lose that spirit of humbleness. But it's when people turn their backs, when, when people don't know what to say, when you're almost left alone and you're actually having to in a spirit of humbleness or you call it a valley experience, that's what you learn when you learn who you really are, what you need to know and what you need to grow through to get back to the level that you need to get to. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Scott. Chris. Yes, so true. And Chris Miranda, uh, you mentioned about some of Chris's writings. Chris, can you can you share? You're on LinkedIn, hot on LinkedIn, right? Chris, yeah. Chris Adams. So make sure you go there to check out some of the things that that Chris is is writing about, some of the things that he talks about. And Chris, early on in our conversation, we talked about when uh, you were in a class that I was teaching. And there's something that you did. There's two things that took place in that class. And you did it so naturally. I don't even think you recognized what you did. But 
as a black man teaching the course and watching the interaction, I'm going to tell you the two things that, that you did that I, I will never forget. First, when we went around the room to talk about where you've been, what do you do for a living, tell us about your background, all this stuff, like you do in any other class, you know, <laughs> tell me, hi, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Leon, you know, that type of deal, all right? One of the ladies in the class, African-American lady, said that she spent most of her time in housekeeping. And when we were talking about some housekeeping aspects of the course, and we broke up into groups, you were in the same group as her, and she was talking about some of the secrets of the trade, and you were like this, looking at her. Right? You were em embracing it all. And something else I remember is relates to that finance part. There was someone that was struggling in finance, and I remember you staying after class to work with them, right? Almost like you were you were the secondary teacher, right? Working with them. <laughs> you so inspired me. Tell me about about those two things about you willing to learn from this African American lady, and then hours later being able to help someone. Where did that come from in, in you? Where, tell us about how you developed that in, in you, that mindset. You know, both my parents were educators. And, and, and one thing that I, I learned early in life that, you know, we're, we're not on this journey by ourselves. They're, they're, we all have a gift. And, and I, I better myself when I'm learning uh, what somebody else is very good at. I, I think we always have to have a spirit of empathy uh, we have to have a spirit of, of, of engagement. I've mentioned this before, but to learn from others is one of the most valuable tools and gifts that, that we can actually uh, receive. You know, some of the most successful individuals are some of the most humble individuals because they're constantly trying to find new ways and, and new techniques. And it's not always the CEO that's going to teach it to you. It could be the individual who is cleaning the office building. It can be the individual who's selling the newspapers, who's behind the line of, uh, of, of a cafeteria. Everybody has a story. Everyone wants to be a part of something and everyone wants to feel like they matter. And, and I think that if each one of us can can create that spirit in, in one another that, yes, you matter, you know, how cool of a feeling does that leave somebody after we walk out the door? You know, you've got two, you, two opportunities here when you walk down the hall. You're going to either inspire someone or you're going to irritate someone. And, and I think that we have to define who we want to be as an individual to be either an inspiration or an irritation. Now, irritation is not always bad because an irritation can be someone who's holding you accountable. But it, when we inspire one another, you know, that always causes somebody to resonate to say, you know what, somebody gave it to me. Let me pass it on to someone else. So I think going back to, to your earlier statement, it's it's what we do to make somebody feel valuable. I love that. I bet your organization has just the best culture. We do. And I must brag, you know, it's 81 Global and we're based out of uh, Hollywood, Florida. And, and I've been very, very impressed with, you know, just how they treat everyone, how they respect everyone, and, and how, quite frankly, it's a two-way street. Now, I've had the opportunity to work with some phenomenal companies um, who really, who walk the walk or walk the talk. And, and, and one of my sayings is, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. And so our words have to be in alignment, our, our actions have to be in alignment with our words. And if they are, then we're, we're certainly on a pathway to success. Yes, Absolutely. Shout out to Hollywood, Florida. I've lived there. Or I lived there for a long time. 
uh, great area. So, yes, <laughs> um, you, uh, Leon, how much time do I have? Time for one more question or two? Yes, go ahead. One more. Yep, we're good. All right. I'm going to ask you my favorite question to ask all of our guests, and that is, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? That's an awesome question. Don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to, to fail. Um, continue to get outside of your comfort zone. I think a lot of times, you know, we play it safe. But I, I would tell my 20-year-old self is, you know what? Two things happen. If you take a chance, you have a 50% opportunity to be successful. If you don't try, you have a 100% uh, opportunity not to succeed. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. Thank you. I like it. I like it. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And one more time, Miranda, can you join us in, in this one? Let's talk about... Well Finance. 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 Right. That's, that's it. Every time I call Chris and he sees my name and call, let's talk about finance. Talk about Today, finance. We were talking about all things hospitality related and how it all connects to to improving the, the culture. Leon, we're going to have to do a show on finance. We're going to have to do a show on finance. Oh, man. You're going to. You're going to make me get the calculator out. Is that what we're doing? Huh? <laughs> get it out and start doing some math there you go we need all to right, take on. a poll on how many people know what you're holding in your hand right now <laughs> all right all right let, let's do that let's let's do that let, I, the producers are talking in my ear right now they're like in the show put the foolishness in the show okay in the comment section <laughs> know what this is say yes if you don't know Say say no. So when this airs, you can do that or send Miranda an email or send me an email or hit Chris up on LinkedIn. Yes, I know what the calculator is. Bonus <laughs> points if you know what those blue buttons are for. I love now it. I got to get the calculator out again. What's the blue? Oh, the blue buttons. Okay. All right. There they are right there, <laughs> folks. All right. Chris Adams, thanks so much for spending time with me and Miranda. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and honor. Thank you both for your time today. Thank, Thank you. Let's go back to our studio host, Oren, Oren Stewart. Hey, Oren. How are you? I got to say, those calculators were a must-have on the desk 20 years ago. I miss them. <laughs> <laughs> Great show, you all. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Checking In. I'm your studio host, Oren Stewart. Please join us again next time.